This is Movies, a podcast about the act of cinema. With me today is Hans. Hans, how are you this evening? Good. I was uh, just looking through my computer to see if I could find the Skinamarink file. What'd you find? Just... Child pornography? Hans? No. Mm. It's not your computer. <laughs> oh, whoa. <laughs> hey, that's not cool. But I deleted it because I thought I wasn't going to see it. Their fan, the, that movie's fans are annoying, but now that we're going to do an episode on it. Then we I'll, have to do an episode on it. It's out yeah. on streaming now. People have been talking about this movie nonstop. You know who I hear is a big fan of this movie? Is the Kino Corner. He won't shut up about it. He tweets about it every single day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. I, I actually haven't seen it. I was thinking about watching it tonight after I do a... Uh, yearly uh february rewatch of cold war um i thought you were gonna say after you go kill a black man in a liquor store because you dress <laughs> like travis bickle from taxi I'm, driver right now yeah well not quite i i have a different um shirt that's closer that's an underneath shirt that's closer but yeah this is like a old like vietnam uh you know uh jacket that i bought at the thrift store uh wonderful yeah, that I got from my tra uh, my taxi driver video, but I still wear it pretty regularly around here. Well, I'm currently dressed up as Casey Affleck in Manchester <laughs> by the Sea. Hans, you want to pull up that picture real quick where he tries to kill himself? This is the exact sweater. This is Pratty C-A-V. Oh, yes. nice. Yes. So uh, we're, we're talking about a film with some more iconic characters this evening. Uh, we are talking about the... I mean, how can you even give this film a year it kind of transcends years because it's not mm. released it's yep that's, oh yeah that's Pratties, my yeah. uh what we're talking say, about gay <laughs> no he's not gay <laughs> he burnt his children to death this is different no i just mean like it looks like it says Pratty's gay yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay oh uh, by the way before yeah. we get into this just to let you know babylon leaked on that site so we got to do a show on that too so yeah. oh, double God, that movie i was yeah, not I'm a fan not... of babylon it doesn't sound like you were a fan either kino no not at all uh that was a movie where i was constantly checking uh my phone to see what time it was and always being like there's this much left of it oh my god there's this like there's another hour of this movie mm -hmm. oh People like, have been trying to spin this as the new Boogie Nights it's, or uh, Magnolia also. I've been like, seeing that, except those movies are good. Mm -hmm. that's, a, that's the difference is that Boogie Nights and Magnolia are good, but Babylon, all the characters are so fucking boring. None of the characters justify its over three-hour runtime. Uh, nothing in that film justifies what that film is. And I don't like the fact that the whole emotional – Climax hinges on a completely other movie, a complete other film where it's like, oh, now when Singing in the Rain came out, see, this is how like amazing this was. And actually Babylon is the true story behind Singing in the Rain, but it's all stupid. And I talked about this. Do you know Isaac Simpson? Um, you guys? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, he's on Twitter as disgraced uh, propagandist, but I did a podcast with him and we were talking like about how Babylon feels like Damien Chazelle did a little bit of coke at a party and now it's like, oh yeah, the Hollywood is so cool. Yeah, <laughs> you know? it feels like a nerd's idea of what like a cool time in Hollywood yeah, would be. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I uh, couldn't anyways, stand it. Yeah. I couldn't stand the fact that they kind of, I don't know, all the characters feel very 2022. 
nothing about yeah. it feels of the era Th that's that's what i was saying it feels like people from 2022 larping like they're in the roaring 20s mm -hmm. and the whole feeling of it is wrong and anachronistic but not in a good way like i think that elvis was anachronistic in a fun way uh but babylon was anachronistic in a really annoying way i couldn't so. agree more i i barely held my tolerance for that movie and i was very happy to see eric roberts cast in a theatrical film for the first time since like inherent vice and it was wasted it was wasted yeah. entirely um but we're not talking about babylon which was i think a big sweeping misfire we're talking about well maybe maybe in your opinion here hans because i saw your letterbox review of this movie uh actors the 2021 2022 2018 2023 <laughs> film um i don't know if this will ever see the light of day i guess factory 25 acquired it but there's so many songs first of all in this movie that there's no way they paid for uh like girls just want to have fun that would probably be uh four times the budget of this movie yeah they probably got some sort of uh like festival license for the songs that's my guess is they got like you, you know you can get a festival license where it's like way cheaper and the idea is that um you go to the festival and you get acquired by a studio and then the studio uh then pays like the full price yeah and I'm guessing they might have done that. I, they might have just like not paid. I don't think anything. they paid anyone. There's a Drake song on here too. I I, do, mm -hmm. I have a feeling that even that for like festival rights, because I'll give you an example. I tried to get a song from the the band Molchat Doma, Doma. Oh, yeah. and, and I know the band. Yeah, the the festival rights were still like three thousand dollars, and I was like, well, how much to just get the song outright? And they said three thousand five hundred dollars. I was like, well, there, there's a hard, there's hardly a difference here. I'd, I'd rather just yeah. get this song in right, perpetuity. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, my but three thousand five hundred dollars. That's not too bad, actually. That's, that's not terrible. Good. But for that band at the time, first of all, let me just say they've been like recycled into like TikTok videos and Instagram videos since they were not as known at the time. So yeah. when I reached out to them, that was like. I'll pay, I'll pay a thousand. How about that? And they didn't want to go for that. So it uh, oh, okay. didn't happen. Um, but yeah, we're talking about actors and this feels like a follow-up to, have you gotten around to seeing assholes Kino? No, I saw that vinegar syndrome, uh, was releasing it. And I know that Peter Vack, I, I was telling you that Peter Vack was at the gala event that we he were was. at and I talked to him, I guess for a bit, I had no idea who he was, but he did like, I thought I kind of recognized him, but I didn't know who he was. He, he seemed like a nice guy when I talked to him. And then when I was watching this, I hadn't seen assholes before. And actually I, but I knew about assholes. Um, and you know, but when I saw the screen caps of it, I is the main guy in there, Peter Beck? Cause he's a lot chubbier than, um, I don't think it is, right? I don't, I don't know. In right? assholes? No, it's uh, it's no, some, some, some guy. guy, it's some filmmaker. So, and, yeah. So anyways, I thought that was Peter Vack. So <laughs> I just like, cause you know, it's like, Oh, Peter Vack, like was also in this movie. He directed it. I was like, oh, okay. I saw some screen caps of it. I thought that was him. And when people are like, Oh um, yeah, uh, Peter Vack was at the Vincent Gallo thing. And I was thinking, I didn't see him. Like I was looking for, you know, the other guy and then watching this movie, I'm like, Oh no, yeah, that's the guy I talked to. So, you know, Peter Vack, if you're watching this, uh, 
I was the guy who was making everybody sign NDAs before going in because Vincent Gallo was very, very, uh, um, he wanted, he wanted everyone to have an NDA signed. He's a very private guy. Yeah. Very nice guy, but very private. But yeah, no, I haven't seen assholes. I know that a lot of people in my discord server own the Blu-ray of it. Um, they talk about it, you know, every so often, uh, yeah. and it looks interesting. Uh, <laughs> it looks interesting. Well, we I'll did a show. That. We did an episode on it, and uh, I got the Vinegar Syndrome uh, pickup of that and of Private Chat, which was directed by Ben Hosey. And I thought Private Chat was a pretty great film because Peter Vack's the lead in that movie. And uh, it, it has, like, a very good supporting cast with Julia Fox and yeah. Buddy Duress and all these, these New York characters. Before, and uh, Assholes, I think, starts interesting, her. and they don't know how to end the movie like it turns into something different in in the final 40 minutes or so and it's not really i don't know it doesn't mesh with everything and hans was not a fan uh, no. of that movie and yeah and then so then this film actors which is directed by betsy brown yeah. peter Beck's sister uh takes place i guess right after assholes has released and it's supposed to be like real life versions of her and peter and their parents and it's supposed to be like this docu drama comedy and make it seem like peter back after assholes came out and it really didn't make money um and got you know mixed reviews a lot of bad reviews and he's trying to find a new way to essentially move forward in his creative uh, creative life. And uh, he decides that the only way to move forward is to come out as transgender, but he's not actually transgender. He is uh, doing a, perform a gender performance, uh, which then puts him into hot water and he has to essentially become more and more transgender in order to keep the act up. So, you know, he eventually starts uh, doing hor uh, hormone replacement therapy. And then that is like I, I, the, the parallel is that Betsy Brown is um, having a child uh, with her boyfriend or a fiance or husband or something. Um, and she's having a kid and she's really just having a kid just to make a documentary about motherhood. And it's like they're both changing their bodies for the sake of, you know, art mm. filmmaking. And it kind of goes badly for both of them. I, I'd say that's like the sum of the movie, right? Like, Yeah, you you very well summarized the film right there. Um, yeah, just because I, I'm just guessing that a lot of people listening to this will not have access, not have a means of, of seeing it, so. Right, I think one about. of the more popular articles on this movie that happens to be out there is from that that Crumps dude calling it a fascist oh, yeah. film or something, which then resulted in him being cast in the follow-up, Peter Vax. In Bax, the Ormont.com. Which turned into three days of abuse of Crumps. <laughs> that's a that's a classic That's a classic uh, article, mm -hmm. classic substack right there. So here's what I've learned about this movie since watching it. And this is from somebody who, I guess, appeared in this movie and also is in the follow-up movie, who was in my movie as well, um, is that this started out as Peter Vack's movie. Peter Vack was going to direct this film, and he directed, like, maybe, I don't know, I, I, I don't want to 
give an estimate here, but maybe like a fifth of the movie. And at some point, Betsy Brown was like, actually, I'm going to direct the movie. And she took over. And you can see with this film that the style and the look of it kind of shifts as if they're mm -hmm. like shooting over several years and they're getting access to different cameras and they're using yeah. uh, different editing techniques and, and all this stuff. And by the end of it, it looks like a very slick, real, full-fledged movie. But where you start feels more like assholes. Mumblecore. Yes, yeah, more like mumblecore. That's right. Yeah, and I was a little bit worried going into the film that because the first five minutes is just them in their room and he's just trying on different clothes. Like it's kind of, you know, and it's very mumblecore. And I was going, I was thinking to myself, oh no, is this going to be another one of those like mumblecore movies? I, I can't, I can't handle this again. What? We're <laughs> yeah. all excited for Uncle Kent part three, right? <laughs> Well, uh, Hans, you know, I know <laughs> you. the first 15 minutes, not the first five. <laughs> <laughs> Hans, you gave this movie a bad review on Letterboxd. Let's just get that out of the way. You gave it one star. Let, yeah. I, you know, you've been, you've been quiet to this point on it as Kino and I have been lobbing the ball back and forth. I want to yeah, hear, hear what your thoughts are on, first of all, on assholes, because I think that's appropriate for those who didn't listen to that show. And then also what your expectations were going into this film and how they were either met or uh disregarded yeah so i uh, bash the fash all right I, <laughs> I wasn't a fan of assholes i think i was very nice on that review because i just said you know it's not for me i'm sure it's going to find its audience but it's just not something that i enjoyed at all uh my expectations with this were pretty much the same uh, especially after the first five minutes, like Kino said, it's just them hanging out and showing like a screen and looking at like YouTube videos. And whenever that's introduced in this way, um, I don't know what movie has done that properly, you know, where, where they show them browsing online or like showing social media. I think it's always kind of awkward whenever someone tries to introduce that into a movie. So after seeing them act for the first, what, 15 minutes, I think, is when the credits come up. Um, yeah, I, I, I figured I was going into something similar to Assholes, hopefully not as gross, because that movie is very disgusting. Uh, but I honestly feel like watching this, I feel like I was watching the equivalent of like interpretive dancing, but on filmmaking, where it's like, I think there's something about this that I should be getting. But it just feels like a bunch of people dancing around and doing shit that annoys me. So I can't, I can't enjoy it. Same with whenever I see someone doing an interpretive dance. It's like, I'm sure there's a message there. But it feels like it's just someone rolling around the floor and I'm supposed to figure out what they're going for. Uh, and I don't know if, if this movie is as smart as it, think it thinks it is. And it, it might be because I find this type of adults very annoying uh so when the way you communicate with each other is just yelling over each other and who can be the loudest or who can be the most expressive or who can be the most annoying i uh, i disconnect very quickly uh so even though the premise i thought it was funny and when when the first time he shows up dressed in like the most flamboyant uh stereotypical this is what a man would think like a I guess a woman would wear if he was trying to become one. 
that was really funny, I thought, but then it, it lost me as I was watching it. Just Hans, if you were transitioning, what would you wear as your big introductory outfit? A wig, first of all. <laughs> a wig. Or, oh, yeah, you would have hair. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You could be like Biden's uh, uh, chief of staff or whoever got caught stealing luggage out uh, of the airport. Egghead, oh, the Batman. Uh -oh. oh, no. Jay, oh, no. Jesus. Oh. oh, Jesus. Oh. Well, it looks like my internet's been disrupted. The worst again, thing is that guys, he's recording this. Unbelievable. So I don't think he's... Oh, yeah, we didn't. Dime Square shut him down. They wanted yeah. him to stop talking. That's Dasha, it. Dasha it, called in the hit. <laughs> <laughs> it's all that Peter Thiel money. They have you know those trackers over here. Can't speak ill. All right, the internet is back. Wonderful. So, uh, you you're breaking that uh you are getting uve bowl on is it kino yeah yeah so i uve has followed me on twitter for quite a while and uh on the last is it kino velma <laughs> podcast i brought up as a joke that we should get uve on and uh so during the last podcast last saturday uh i messaged uve on dms and then he uh very quickly responded yes and uh so we're gonna be talking about postal on Izakina with Uwe Bull. Uh, I have to email him back. Uh, it's been a very hectic, hectic week. You know, Austin, we had the ice storms and I was out of power uh, because Austin cannot handle anything below 34 degrees. Uh, That's crazy. Everything is, everything is still closed down. There's really not like some trees have fallen and everything, but you'd be surprised there's nobody on the roads just because it's in the thirties, it, there's nobody on the roads. Everything's closed. Uh, it is really just insane. I, I don't That's very know sensitive how, of him. Uh, Uwe Boll seems right up your alley. He's like the next level up for, for a Vincent Gallo type in terms of confronting your critics, right? He had his big boxing event 15 years ago and I think he won yeah, every single match. Yeah, he beat up Lotax. Mm. Uh, sorry for everybody who uh, was listening to this show on Spotify and the actors' conversation abruptly derailed into Uwe Boll because obviously that <laughs> blip that we ran into there is going to be edited out. Um, let's route back yeah. to the film. Hans, you were talking about your problem with actors. Yeah. Uh, I, forgot <laughs> I forgot what I said. Let's just say that um, it just feels like it's ugly on purpose mm. you know like you it's said it's just... like interpretive dance that's that right yeah. Yes. yeah yeah that i'm just staring at it thinking that i should be getting something that i'm not getting and it's all just obnoxious and loud and not, you know i again, i, I felt me. like with this movie it had more of a john waters vibe to it than assholes yeah. did it felt like all right so with assholes it kind of felt like they were reluctantly in that terrain and with this movie, it feels more like an embrace of that and deliberately like they're trying to stoke certain flames uh, with this this film. And it's gotten a lot of criticism, obviously, due to Peter Vack's character. And I think what a, what is a big misinterpretation of this movie and I guess it's messaging, if you can even consider there being messaging in this film, uh, it's been painted as transphobic by a number yeah, of people, I, including the director of Skinamarink, right? Or no, uh, no, no we're all no, going no, to the World's Fair. Yeah, Jane, Sean, Berm, Bump, 
I don't know how to say the last name, but yeah, the the tweet that was like, "Fuck off, Nazi mumblecore" or something like and that. And then someone <laughs> dug up her supporting the film back in 2018 when it was on Kickstarter and called Peter Vac the movie. So I don't know. Uh, that lady doesn't seem that lady doesn't seem that stable to me. You know, I don't I don't know. So I, I, I don't I, I don't see I don't see why you care so much. And if you actually watch the film, like I think the film is less about the whole trans thing than it is about the kind of narcissism of artists, especially like the narcissism of New York artists, because and there's two different kinds, right? Where mm. Peter Vac and this is is like and it is made very clear that it is a completely cynical career move just to become trans and then come and then also reject even the label of being trans like especially in real life and he's like no i'm not i'm and people in the movies say like hey that's like fucked up you know but he still does it because he cares more about his career than about you know he cares more about his career and just sort of being a so you know like almost like a, a sociopathic artist than about you know good taste and then Betsy Brown is doing a very similar thing where she has a kid just so that she can put that into a project of hers. And she's still like this career woman and she sees her daughter or her son um, as being a prop for a movie that she wants to make, which, you know, in the end, spoiler alert, in the end leads to her boyfriend or her partner, because it's never made super clear, but her partner basically saying like, Nope, I'm moving out with the son. Like you're an unfit mother, you know. Like we're 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 gone. Um, I mean, so it ends kind of poorly for 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 both, uh, you know. And I feel like the message isn't really that there's a message. It's more just like looking at uh, people, like these kind of New York artists who are also kind of the the peak peak narcissists. Um, and it feels like it's probably a, a caricature or an exaggeration of, of them, you know, and they say at the end, like, oh, yeah, this was all like fake. But it's also to me, it felt like it was a joke that they were playing on themselves. They're like, can you imagine us be, like being this narcissistic, you know? Well, that was one of my biggest issues that I thought I was watching a movie where they're just going to bash trans people. So I was excited about it. And then I didn't get that at all. So I was like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, that narrative is completely stupid because so... It, it, it says nothing about trans people at all. It's all about this narcissist that thinks that's going to get him fame. And even though it does work for a little bit, it's not a commentary on anyone. It's not, I don't, I don't see how like the transphobic label on it when what it's showing is how much of a ridiculous character this guy is instead of say, or making any type of statement about, that community in general. So I think by bringing that type of attention into it, you gave it more eyes to this movie that people probably wouldn't have cared about as much, uh, unless you're a fan of that. What is it? Dime squares? What is it? Whatever Dime that's square, yeah. yeah. Uh, because after watching it, like, is it really offensive to that? I don't think so. You know, it, like I mean, you said, I, it's I, focused I, on him, not the community or whatever i think it's certainly a provocation but i think that it's and what i liked about it is that it goes to you know it makes jokes that i think that a lot of especially mainstream movies wouldn't even dare 
you know, it goes lengths that a lot of films nowadays wouldn't dare to go. Um, and it's certainly a provocation in a lot of ways, but I think that if you have half a mind and you have any kind of like literacy, you know, when it comes to watching movies, you should be able to know that he would, it actually, it's position on a lot of stuff is, is to me, it, it felt like a lot of it, a lot of its positions were fairly neutral. And in fact, you're not supposed to think that the main characters are, are good people. It's like, do you think that John Waters, when he makes Pink Flamingos, thinks that Divine's character is a good person? No, she's intentionally terrible. Like, uh, I mean, we're, you know, and that's a, that's a lot of John Waters' characters, right? They're intentionally terrible people. Uh, it's not, why do you get offended when a movie is like, uh, about terrible people being terrible? Um, and it knows that too. And I mean, I kind of like watching those kinds of movies uh, because it's like a glimpse into a different world, I guess. It's I a more interesting think that... character too than just someone that's just going to act and say this, whatever you would expect from any other movie. You, you're getting someone that's obviously not there mentally and just how they unravel with whatever happens around them. It's a lot more interesting than, you know, it's a normal guy, I guess. Hans, do you think that this movie is an improvement from actors? Y yes, but I don't really think much about, about that movie. I the the I think the biggest problem that I have with Assholes is that it's very, uh, well, just like this one, very loud. But I feel like it, it's obvious that it's just trying to offend and it's trying to like look at how gross we can be and how much we can push it without having much behind the grossness and you know the the offensive i guess so after five minutes of them rubbing shit on each other i was kind of like okay like we understand there's shit on their face like wow can we get something else and then it just goes on and on and on the editing here is a lot better when it comes to those moments and is yeah i would say it's definitely an improvement just for the fact that it's not as gross for no reason as the other one you know, I thought that this movie um, actually played with social media quite well. I liked how it portrayed social media like his Instagram account um, and and how it portrayed the social media also, I think, uh, helped in sort of blurring the lines between like what was real and what was fiction. And I also noticed uh, uh, that <laughs> Eugene Kotlarenko, I guess, liked one of the uh, posts that they that he shows, you know, in the film. I thought it did that pretty well. And like going between multiple uh, different sources, like between the phones and what seemed like cinema cameras, you know, there's obvious part, there's obviously parts that were shot on much nicer cameras than parts were done on, on phones. And they have mm -hmm. a lot of diegetic cameras in the film because, you know, they're shooting their own documentary. I liked that um, playfulness of form that the film has. Uh, I think though that the film does suffer from pacing. I think the pacing is kind of wonky in a lot of places. Uh, I liked, I mean, I did like the provocative nature of it. It's a breath of fresh air and like, I don't, you know, in when what the edgiest movie of last year was what Babylon. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's kind of hard to say. Hans, what do you, we watched a lot of movies. What do you oh, think was wow. the edgiest movie? Well, fuck, I don't know. Did we watch anything I edgy? 
I haven't seen. I, don't... I haven't seen any new edgy films. Is there? Um, maybe. Uh, uh, fuck. What was the? Uh, Crimes of the Future. Was that, Crimes was that of the edgy? Future. That's not edgy at all. No. I don't know. That's that was so a... tame. That was so tame. Blonde. Tar. Uh. I mean, tar is like anti-woke, right? But it's not edgy. Halloween ends. <laughs> now that's a movie. Oh, no, I know it's. Movie. I know it's edgy. <laughs> Christmas, bloody Christmas. That was very edgy. There's a little fox in oh, it. Oh, so edgy. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, man. And that shit and fuck and. Yeah, oh that fuck! Was... That just happened. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, did you see it? Did you <laughs> no, see it? I, I, oh. I saw. I saw the poster. I do. Oh, Terrifier two. That was an edgy movie. Okay. Sure. Uh, yeah. Right. How about Clerks three? Oh my god. Clerks three. You mean uh, ninety minutes of Kevin Smith masturbating on screen? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was pretty edgy. <laughs> uh, I, you know what? How about how about twenty twenty two is still edgier of a year, I think, than than anything we've had in a while. On on like a mainstream level, I I, I don't know if it has been matched since about what 2016, 2015 maybe. Yeah. There's been a kind of a drought of boundary pushing movies for sure. Well, the people who want to be provocative or pose as provocative don't actually provoke. They just kind of tap the, the very regular sacred cows that have always been mm -hmm. there for 25 years and are actually immune to most criticism. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was just an edgy year because of Kanye, but yeah, I'm oh. in film. Glass Onion. What an edgy movie, right? I, I have no intention of seeing that. I watched uh, somebody's review of it, though. Was uh, it ER's? It might have been ER's. Yeah. I, I hated that movie. And people were trying to get me, telling me to, like, make a video just bashing it. But I don't want to give any more mental energy to that film. I feel like that's it winning over me. Mm -hmm. So I think that enough people watched it and hated it that I don't have to do that. There's a massive drop off, it seems, visually from Glass Onion and Knives Out, uh, its predecessor, just in terms of how Netflixy and how streaming service movie -y oh, yeah. Glass Onion looks. And I, I, I didn't catch that when I watched the trailers originally, the Glass Onion one, it was just by itself. But when they were jumping in the review that I watched, that I think was ER, um, mm. they jumped between clips of Knives Out and Glass Onion. And it's really remarkable how they just don't care for like the visual imagery I, of of these movies dropped on Netflix. I think that um, one of the one of the big things was um, Knives Out was shot on film, and then Glass Onion they just went to the Netflix digital like hmm. cameras. the 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 digital cameras that Netflix has are okay to use because anyone who knows about Netflix. They have a list of cameras that you're allowed Acceptable to use. Cameras, yeah. Our, the Aerial X is not on it. Um, weirdly, it's not on it. What do, do you know what the reason you... for that is? Hmm? Why? Because it doesn't do 4K. Because all Netflix cares about is 4K. Not color science and not dynamic range and anything else. And Ari was always like, we care more about making the image look good and we care less about like making it 4k because most films are mastered in 2k anyways but netflix says no we want to have it so that all our movies can be streamed on 4k 
And so they're, so then they encourage people to use reds over using area Alexas, which red cameras don't look nearly as good. I don't like the look of that. The red cameras get, you know, I just don't care for them that much. And, you know, so that's why there's like this Netflixy look, I think. Also, I just feel like, like a lot of cinematography is going downhill because of digital digital and they're not doing uh, harsh lighting anymore. Like it used to be, you know, the actress, when she walked into the end of the shot, the light was like right there, like blasting in her face and it looked great. But now that that gets blown out on digital. So they do all this like bouncing the light all around and uh, it gives more of a murky kind of just neutral look to everything. Yeah, that's something that you, I mean, I, I've seen a lot of people complaining that uh, some movies, especially movies that have been shot on film, are too dark or something, you know. But the, the other side of the coin is this very flat, uh, not quite gray, but just like there's no dimension to the image whatsoever. Mm -hmm. It doesn't pop. The David pop. Fincher Gone Girl look. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just very sanitized, and then you can't tell the difference between a horror movie or a Christmas movie. Everything's shot with the same look. It's just mm. that Netflix shine that yeah, it's not interesting at all to look at. Yeah, that, that Knives uh, Out sequel has the same exact look as a lot of those made-for-TV Christmas WMAF films we were taking a look at uh, late last year, Hans. Yeah. It's just so, I mean, it, and it's not even to say like it looks bad because it doesn't look bad, but it's just so boring. And it's so, mm -hmm. it, I, you've seen it enough times where it's just like, all right, we get it. All right. Uh, there's, there's no flexibility within like the creative palette of, of what they want to execute um, visually there. And it sucks. Yeah. So that's another reason why I like uh, actors. I was going to call it assholes is <laughs> It's just constantly changing. It yeah. always looks different, scene to scene. It's like <laughs> someone else was helming the film uh, uh, entirely in certain scenes. Uh, it's wild. But it is supposed to be like, diegetically, it's supposed to be like Betsy and Peter are both shooting their own parts of it. Mm. You know, whether or not Betsy's holding the camera at one point or Peter's holding the camera at another point. I don't know how big the, the crew was. You know, they had a cinematographer, so they had some... And you can tell like the stuff that was shot by the cinematographer and stuff that probably wasn't. Mm -hmm. um, but I liked that, that they, um, they kept it, um, you know, very energetic. And I did like the production design. They, they did a lot with what little they had. I liked the whole, um, her having all the, uh, uh, uh the, uh, pregnancy tests all over the wall in her, in her bedroom, uh, you know, just, you, it's, you know, good. Uh, uh, I thought it looked cool, but also, you know, shows like <laughs> how hard she really did try to get pregnant really. And it, it makes it a bit more depressing because it's like how hard she tried to get pregnant just, you know, for her to essentially use her baby as a prop. Um, and, you know, and then there was stuff that's like her, like artistic kind of interpretations of getting pregnant, you know, where she's like in the uh, corner and her stomach is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, I mean, it definitely, like, there's a lot of creativity that went into the movie, and it really feels like there was a lot of, like, the movie is a very fun movie. I mean, and it doesn't overstay its welcome. It's only, like, 79 minutes long. 
Yeah, I, I was going to disagree with you there, Hans, where you said the pacing felt fun. I, like, I think this movie was much more of a breeze to get through. And look, I, I think part I of the reason why... No, I, I said that the pacing was wonky. Yeah. I think that the pacing is wonky in some parts, but I think that it doesn't... It's not a huge detriment because it's so short. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. I mean, the big problem I had with Assholes was that it felt like a short film idea that was executed to about 40 minutes. And then, like I said before, they didn't really know what to do with the ending. And it turns into like almost like a supplement, like a DVD special feature that they decided to make the ending. And it doesn't really work. It doesn't stick the landing. And with this one, uh, you know, it was much more it seemed much more controlled as far as like the story went. Uh, and you had like a very clear beginning, middle, end that wrapped up pretty nicely. Did not overstay its welcome whatsoever. Um, and I also thought the performances in this movie were were really good between Peter Vac and, and Betsy Brown, um, especially given the the subject matter and what Peter Vac has to do. And um, you know, also not to discredit what, what Betsy Brown's character is like, what her MO is as well. Like, um, I think they both bring it pretty well. Are those street scenes also improvised? Like the ones in assholes, do you know? I doubt it. I, I, my feeling is that that was probably choreographed and, and performed it a couple of times as opposed to, so what, what Hans is referring to is at the end of assholes, you have the two lead actors just kind of, bumbling through Times Square and you can tell that it's not scripted, that it's all like one take and it was probably just one very long iPhone video uh, and the main actor of that movie um, whose name is escaping me at the moment he is just yelling vulgarities at people, he's it's yelling out racial hard R <laughs> racial slurs in Times Square in like 2016 it's very ballsy um, and you know, almost getting into fights, almost getting beaten up and kicked out of department stores. And you can you can tell nobody in the background is an extra. Nobody's signing release. Like, this is just part of the movie. This is it. Um, yeah. There's a bunch of Puerto Ricans and Mexican families and just <laughs> tourists. Yeah. Being like, oh, this is real. Yeah, this it, is New York. It feels like it could uh, be the Hans's, beginning to uh, to a fighthaven.org video. It's, it's, <laughs> it's really rough stuff. Um, and no, in this movie, you have Peter Vack kind of doing a, uh, what is he staging, like a hate crime on himself or something? Uh, you know, and no, I, I my inclination here is that was all scripted and thought out ahead of no that seems um it seems very like even within the movie it seems like he scripted and thought that out like Mm -hmm. the quote-unquote hate crime that happens to him so i think that for for the movie you know for within the movie it's like he scripted it i think they had to have scripted it it's not that hard to have some guy like run by peter back and you know pour some water on him or something like that's that's a pretty easy thing to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I did I did like how it plays it off in that scene. I thought that scene was fairly clever and that it plays it off like this might be real. And then he like is like, no, that take wasn't good. You know, and then he does like the take where he's like crying. <laughs> he does a take that actually seems a bit more genuine, you know, like more like in shock. And he's like, no, no, this is not good. And then he does it where he's like, they just attacked me on the street. <laughs> You know, I thought that was fairly clever. Um, and that had to, that had to have been scripted. I mean, some of the people that might have gone around watching it, 
might not have been background actors because it seemed like they had almost no crew. Yeah, no, you can't really like shut down a block in New York City unless uh, unless you have like hundreds of millions of dollars in your budget. That is not, ha- and even then, probably not. Um, yeah, no, that that that's definitely not the case. I mean, Hans, what did you think about the performances in this movie? I know you had a problem with the yelling, of course. You, yeah. You've got like veteran PTSD where loud yes. sounds scare you, <laughs> and make you shake. sensitive ears, you get nervous, yeah. And yeah. Cry. Hans is the kind of guy to, to run away from your house on July Fourth. Yes. Yeah, I only <laughs> I only like silent movies. That's all I I consume. Uh, I'm missing the classical music playing in the background and no dialogue. Uh well, I thought he was good at playing that role. He was uh what he was supposed to be, very obnoxious, very you know, that that person that's trying to get or forcing fame into themselves and I think he played that to a T. So he was very good. Uh, I didn't like her as much. Um, I, but she's and, my queen. And that, Betsy Brown's that, my queen. What are you talking about? That Don't might be because I, I found her very obnoxious. <laughs> I was just like, all right, fucking. What do you, th- what do you think I like about her? That she's always <laughs> naked. <laughs> that she's naked every time her, she's on oh screen. Oh, my God. What a pervert. <laughs> what a pervert. No, I close my eyes during those scenes. Right. Well, you watch fucking a third of the movie then because he's <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, what you said about the the um the pregnancy tests on the wall is like, yeah, if you didn't get that every time she's on screen, she's trying to have sex, uh, she's trying to get pregnant. Yeah, there's those things on the wall too. You know, uh, that, that, I, that thing, the pregnancy test on the wall reminded me of that that image that's circulated the internet for many, many years. Of the like period? Problem. The tampons, no, 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 not not no, uh, not the not the tampons, the uh, the uh-huh. used condoms on the wall. The, oh like, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Where the woman like would put up the used condoms on the wall of like all the guys that she had sex with. I thought it was yeah, that just... actually, like the first like I had, it, I was like, oh no, no no, they're pregnancy tests, but I thought she was doing like the whole used condom thing on the wall. Which wonder I which know, maybe... room would smell which which room would smell worse. <laughs> <laughs> the one hey, well, or... pregnancy tests, you know, the pee is like in a capsule a plastic capsule so it doesn't really smell i mean if you only throw a couple of drops at it but she was a little like you don't don't really throw a couple of drops at it you know right you just piss on it yeah yeah. (laughs) well i've never done it i'm not a not an expert it doesn't really smell (laughs) well it depends on how many pills you take right i'm sure her character no what i'm saying is that it's like it's in the like it's encapsulated in plastic you know like there's not a smell coming out of it okay well what about the condoms? how many have oh, you smelled oh. Kino? <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 actually a uh, uh it's a hobby of mine smelling a pregnancy <laughs> tests <laughs> uh, so Hans, you didn't like betsy brown you thought peter vac was good that's what i'm getting here yeah i thought his uh his uh portrayal of someone that's insane that insane was very believable very obnoxious very believable no i don't think he was insane i just think he's kind of socio like his character is just kind of sociopathic that character is like one in eight people on social media yeah yeah like he's just like a guy that cares like he does it's like he'll completely destroy his body to like to keep his clout and career going you know mm-hmm. like he, he that's it's like a guy that's all he cares about he is like this like 
tunnel vision of like career. And he's like, this is the way that I get, I take my career to the next level. And he doesn't see, you know, his blinders to everything else. I don't think he's insane. I just think that he's, yeah, he's kind of, kind of the psycho. Focused. Who do you think is the better director between Peter Vac and Betsy Brown? Obviously, Kino, you haven't seen Assholes, so I guess it's on you. Because I feel like Betsy Brown's a superior director out of the two, even if I agree with you that Peter Vac is the better performer. Well, we don't know which parts she directed here, right? No, she directed most one? of it. Peter Vac, I believe, only directed like the first, the maybe the opening where it's him approaching his parents because it looks like it has the same visual style as assholes yeah. which is very you know you didn't set the dslr camera settings yeah. right you know you're just kind of starting out yeah like you're just putting rehearsals into the film because you're yeah. not sure what the settings are going to be yet uh then i would say her i don't know if there's much of a style for his shooting other than i guess trying to make it look like a teenager is shooting in his room I feel like uh, that, that's one of my issues with assholes that is just not very interesting visually. Uh, and if she directed that the part after that in this movie, uh, at least she tries doing different things with the camera. You know, there's a couple of nice shots. Uh, one that I remember uh, when uh, the husband or boyfriend or whatever is sitting with the baby and it's really nicely lit. And then the next scene is her coming up the stairs with the camera just following her. I was like, okay, this is interesting, at least visually, which is not something that you got with assholes at all, I don't think, or I can't remember any scene that I was like, okay, this looks good. So that at least, or, or there's little touches like that that makes it feel like a movie, I guess, like someone with a vision other than just let's shoot everything and then we'll just put everything in. What one shot that stood out to me is looking particularly like cinematic, but also kind of didn't visually fit in with the rest of the film and that's why it really stood out to me although i liked the shot was when he calls her partner calls betsy and after he's taken the baby and he's like sitting on this like couch with the baby and um i wish i could bring up the shot right now but it's like this kind of warmly shot almost like soft focus -y type um you know dim uh, dim shot. It just doesn't match anything else in the movie. I like the shot, but I was like, "Whoa, this is a, this is very different." You know, we, mm -hmm. we've seen all sorts of different kinds of shots up to this point, but that one actually, I think, out of all the shots, that sort of surprised me the most. That was a shot. Which you one know, is it? Oh, because I have it open right now. You have it open. Play it. Do you yeah. remember what part? It's right after the the partner steals the, or takes away her baby and calls her. So this has to be like little over an hour in you know okay yeah i think um well here's the thing with a movie like this and also i i said something similar about scary 61st which is that i like the energy of it i like the personality of it maybe more than the things that i can pinpoint as strengths of the movie from a technical perspective because there's a lot of my review of this was that it's schizophrenic it's a schizophrenic movie to watch in terms of its tone, in terms of jumping around, just like it, it's aesthetic and how, you know, you'll feel like you're watching like a professionally shot movie at one second and then you'll watch like a cell phone found footage movie and then it feels like a different movie entirely was thrown in there. But it all has this this ongoing um, current to it that does align in the end, that does make sense of itself.
And um, I think it has a much punchier ending than uh, the previous effort, which helps as well, because I think a movie's probably only as good as its ending. Um, I don't know. I thought this was a big improvement over Assholes. I enjoyed the two lead actors, and like I said before, I think there's a lot to like about this movie, uh, and I'm very intrigued to see how their creativity escalates within this yeah. unit, with Vax's uh, upcoming film, especially where he seems to have a lot of people working on the crew, seems to be a, a much more uh, organized production, and there's people like Dasha and Nick Mullen and, uh, and Curtis Nick Rochefort. Yeah, Curtis Yarvin. I, I don't know if they're actually going to pop up more than just outside of that one scene. Yeah, the one but... scene, the one infamous Crump scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm very curious to see where all of that goes. So they, they have my, my fascination, if nothing else. It seems like Hans was pulled away there. So I don't think we're going to be checking out that clip at the moment. I got it. Hey, Hans, how's it going? I got it over here. Pretty good. Okay. I got it over here. We're going to be ta- on, taking so a look just, at the... It's right it after this. Hold on. I just didn't want to fast forward it because it's just about to... This. I mean, you yeah, can play this, the audio. We're not going to get a clip the, for this. This is the same one that I was talking about. That It looks completely different to everything else. Just nicely lit, mm-hmm. nicely framed. And then... And then there's this shot of like the camera following her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then this feels more like mumblecore and, and that does feel like like something straight out of like a, a Hollywood melodrama. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, no, I agree with uh I'm I am anticipating RachelOrmont.com. Um I think the next big uh Dime Square movie is gonna be directed by a uh, uh co directed by Jay Torales and uh, Isaac Mahaffey though. Um, oh really? This is gonna be a co direction effort? <laughs> I'm very intrigued now. <laughs> Well, hey, you know, or at least, you know, some kind of collaboration, right? Mm-hmm. There's going to be, you, you guys probably don't know who those two guys are. You know, they're up and No, comes. not yet. They're <laughs> a couple. I know them. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we have to wrap up the show early tonight, unfortunately. But, uh, Kino, I'm so happy to have you back on for 2023 and talk about this, this film here. I'm going to have to put out, like, a good compilation at some point of all of our Dime Square uh, talking episodes <laughs> between this and Scary Sixty Four. We might have to go back to assholes or something just to make Kino, it a yeah, Kino, Kino Corner disses Dime Square while also being sort of a part of NPCC. No, I don't think mm-hmm. I've dissed Dime Square actually. No, I don't think you have at all. Hans certainly yeah. has. Hans has blacklisted himself from that old scene. But oh, that's no. Fine. They oh, still like know. me now. <laughs> the, the people that I know in that scene still like me. So I, I want to keep it that well, way. They're nice. I, yeah, I, I like those people. I think that's why, like, that's why I'm trying to not like just shit on it for the sake of it. Because, like, I, you know, I'm sure there's oh, so a lot you're of not effort that goes. You're not honest. No, right? I am, but I'm, I'm doing. I don't want to say this is a piece of shit movie and no one should watch. You know, because like I, I don't want to ruin Loris's uh, relationships. I guess so. Wait, there's no relationship. No, no. There. I know one guy who worked on that. Those two films. That's about the gist of it. I yeah, mean, the possible. Listen, possible future endeavors where you were going to have to kick me out of the podcast because <laughs> <laughs> i said that assholes was gross uh I yeah i mean assholes was gross i think peter back would probably uh, agree with you i think that's the intention of the movie yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. well it's... 
Uh, Kino, let me know when uh, you Uwe Boll. How the fuck do you pronounce U- his Uwe first Boll. name? Uwe Boll. Yeah. Uwe and, Boll. And uh, I'm going back to screenwriting. So I have an editor. So he's editing my stuff while I'm screenwriting. So wonderful. Yeah. Um, are you going to join? I don't know if Monkey Jones is just doing this in his personal time or if this is for the show or something, but he said he was watching all of Tyler Perry's movies or something for Black History Month. Are you going to do Meet the Browns? Are you going to do I was the wondering Meet the Browns? I was, I was wondering why he was logging all that on Letterboxd. I saw he watched <laughs> Diary of a Mad Black Woman, Medea's Family Reunion, um, and I guess Meet the Browns. I guess he's watching all the Tyler Perry movies. Uh, you know, it probably takes longer to watch all the Ty- Tyler Perry movies than uh, Tyler Perry actually takes to make all of his movies. Mm. That's my guess. Well, I know that Boo and Medea Halloween two was shot in six days um his movies are usually shot in about a week uh are his reviews like four stars i hated this because <laughs> i feel I like he gave it like two and a half it. stars three stars <laughs> like this was a big piece of shit four stars <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh anyways i know that we're at our at our time i'm just gonna plug i have a new video out on kubrick's very first movie fear and desire which also is not a super great movie, but you know, you can see the, the inkling of the, uh, the genius there. And, you know, you can see in the art, the artistic vision, even though it's super, super rough, uh, which I guess is apt to what we're talking about today that, you know, actors, not a perfect movie, but I think you can see some very interesting things going on. Um, Absolutely. I think that's it. I mean, I was gonna say, I think that's a good comparison to make, but hey, comparing anybody to Kubrick is, mm, I'll, I'll rephrase that. I think it's good to, to look at that and say, yeah, that, that can similarly be applied here, where maybe when they have like a legitimate budget or cinematographer or something that is, sticks around for the entire movie, then you go, oh, that's actually their first real movie, kind of like how people look at uh, the killing or something for, for Kubrick, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I what, be... he's, what he's trying to say is Peter Thiel. Can you give us some money for Mass State Lottery? I think, <laughs> I think that's over. Good. I think that <laughs> Peter, Peter Thiel, Thiel money Peter... Is, is done. Peter Thiel, you got you, you to gotta read my, my new script treatment and give me a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> I, need that, I need those Thiel bucks. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I'm going to check out your video because I did check out Fear and Desire uh, a while back and similar to what you said i thought all right well this is rough but considering this is like early kubrick i mean it's not i mean he he didn't do a terrible job with it and you can see what when he'll become he was literally every crew member too on that so mm-hmm. you know he he had some mexican day labor so he had three hans you know three hanses <laughs> and then <laughs> he was doing everything else <laughs> Uh, all right, so that has been movies for this week. Kino, thank you for joining me. Go follow the Kino Corner. Check out his channel, the Kino Corner, on YouTube. And uh, Hans H Word Name on Twitter. Thank you for listening.